Hi everyone, it's Paul here, and I just wanted to give a quick preface to our very first recap episode, in which Eugene and I look back at the episodes that we've done so far and the lessons we feel like we've learned from them. We check in about where we feel like we are right now with this project and how we're doing on a personal level. And finally, look forward and talk about what kind of direction we want to take this project moving forward. I think what's crazy to me is that we recorded this conversation more than two months ago. And in some ways, it feels like not that much has changed since then. I mean, we're still living in the middle of a raging pandemic, especially those of us in the United States. And I'm sure many of us, including myself, are feeling the effects of uncertainty and working from home and being alone for so long. But in many other ways, I feel like so much has happened and there's so much reason for hope and inspiration and motivation. And I just wanted to say part of the reason why some of the more recent episodes uh, we didn't get to cover in this conversation, namely our episodes with Stephanie Kuo, Megan Essaheb, Yummy Park, E.J. Joseph, and Eileen Liu, were that we felt compelled and responsible even to share those episodes because the topics that these speakers discuss are so timely and so relevant, and their calls to action were just so important that we felt like we needed to release those before this conversation. As Mary Murakami says in uh, our conversation together in one of our earlier episodes, what's wrong is wrong. And I hear that message ringing over and over again, even with our more recent episodes. So without further ado, here's me and Eugene. since we had our first pilot episode. I, I was looking back through our episodes and it seems like the pilot was released on January 10th, which is, uh, I think, almost 20 weeks ago, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, 20 weeks, in, 20 weeks in real time, but in mental time, especially with quarantine, it feels like it was generations ago <laughs> like so honestly long ago. this quarantine feels like the, the i don't know if this is the right crowd but the hyperbolic time chamber dragon ball z oh yeah, yeah. Just if like you don't know what we're just grinding out yeah if you don't know what that is i don't remember exactly what it is either but something like a day in real life is like what like a week or something and in, inside the chamber anyway yeah that's where the if you're an anime fan you'll know <laughs> yeah if you're not you but, can just look it up yeah yeah basically we uh just wanted to take a step back and check in with each other but also with everyone else um now that we have a few episodes under our belt out there and one discuss uh 
the conversations that we've had so far, because as I'm sure some of um, our listeners, very loyal listeners have noticed, we've been taking turns in some ways of, uh, you know, running point on interviewing a certain person, and then uh, the other person introduces and, and closes the episode. But, you know, we thought it would be really valuable for, for both of us as a learning opportunity to reflect on some of the takeaways and lessons from uh, from the episode so far. And also to, I guess, explain and also lay out uh, a vision of where we're headed for the future, uh, which which seems kind of crazy because honestly, it feels like just yesterday that this podcast was just a, a figment of our imagination. But yeah, it's really weird. It's like, yeah. it feels like it was yesterday, as you just said, but it also feels like it's a long time ago. <laughs> like, it feels like I haven't been doing this for that long yet at the same time. It feels like when we recorded was actually a really long time ago when we were last together recording. So, um, yeah, but yeah. honestly, I, I'm, I'm, I've been so pleasantly surprised that I, I honestly didn't think, well, I don't know about you, Eugene, but I, I no, no, set I feel my the same expectations <laughs> pretty, uh, let's say, realistically, or, or pretty. Uh, I set the bar low so that I would be pleasantly surprised, and here I am, pleasantly surprised because I've received so much, uh, just amazing feedback and and, and appreciation and, and constructive criticism as well, which I think I appreciate the most. Of course, from from friends and family, uh, but also from just people that I've I've never uh, met before and I remember you told me there was somebody who said you know can't wait to binge listen to the, to the episode so yeah far. that was yeah that was so surprising I think yeah this is a very good point to um stop for a moment and just say thank you so much for everybody who has uh listened or has sent us something or has shared it, uh, an episode with somebody else it has been very very surprising I think just like you had said I didn't I mean if if like 10 people listened, I, w- I was going to be happy with that. You know, um, It happens to be like a little bit more than that and hopefully more in the future. But I don't think that it's either of our goals to be, you know, quote unquote famous. But yeah. um, just knowing that just kind of the messages that we get in terms of, oh, like this episode really helped me think through this time in my life. Like one of my friends, he was moving back from Korea to America and, you know, going on to this new chapter in his life. And after listening to the first episode with Ken about stories and narrative building in your life, he said, oh, like that really helped. And that has nothing that has really not that much to do with family separation, but it still had an impact in that way. And I thought that was really cool. And that's just one of, you know, many other um, examples. So I think that that cliche of, thanking your quote-unquote fans i hate saying fans because that's not really what it is but thanking your listeners i guess that i really understand now because you know i mean i follow people and they say oh thank you for your support and what and i'm like okay whatever you know (laughs) i'm just like a regular person um but it really does mean a lot especially when we're grinding through some of the work and wondering if it's gonna do anything so yeah, um, and I think it's much more than just, you know, giving us a thumbs up. Uh, well, I don't know exactly how things work on social media anymore. Eugene is the mastermind behind all that. But, you know, supporting us and, and just listening and this kind of, uh, I guess, more receptive and, and passive support because I was another thing I was so amazed by was how many people were so active in participating in the letter campaign and oh, actually yeah, yeah, sharing sure. you know uh, letters personal letters with us alongside very these 
very personal messages. So I, I mean, mm. th- that was all you, Eugene, of of birthing that idea during this time and and actually getting me to write letters as well. Well, not all me, because we'll talk about what led to that um, project in general. But yeah, I think the only other thing I was gonna say before we actually got into it was. For me, I wanted to do these recap episodes just to process what we're doing because we're defining the project as we're going. Because on in one sense, it's a very simple project, right? It's connecting stories of family separation. But for me, the main purpose of these recap episodes is to figure out what is then generated out of connecting these stories, right? We are putting all of these stories in one platform, but then what? What does that do? And obviously, there's inherent value in that in terms of capturing like firsthand accounts like that's... Uh, we'll, we'll talk. Well, you'll talk about Mary's episode, which you did, um, and that's really cool and uh, worthy of a goal in itself. But also, well, then what is coming out of all of the other episodes that we do? You know, so um, I think it's just defining that, and a lot of it has just been, you know, we've been figuring it out as we've been going. Like, um, I guess I'll talk about it soon in a bit. But uh, for Ken's episode, like I would not he was not supposed to be the first one and he happened to be the first one and also i had never in my life imagined that i'd be talking to him after reading his yeah, short I remember stories you were and stuff, freaking right? out when he got back to you <laughs> yeah i was freaking out and i was also freaking out while i was doing the interview and i still freaked out a little bit after the interview where I, like i had just sat there in my room and i was like did that just happen did i lose all of my files and also because it was the first episode i was a little bit you know freaking out about that too so yeah, there's a lot of that stuff, I guess. Oh, and then the other thing that I was going to say was a lot of the episodes that we do are obviously super serious. And this one, maybe it could be serious. I don't know. But one of my friends, when we were speaking about feedback, one of my friends said, I've been like listening to a lot of the episodes. I've listened to, she actually listened to all of the episode, which is crazy to me. But she said, I listened to them on my quarantine walks. And yeah, like you guys have great baritone voices, which I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, but then she said, they're really like insightful, but also sometimes sad. And so hmm. I guess hopefully we can balance that kind of a uh, serious tone with some uh, humor, but. Oh, geez. Didn't you say that some of your friends uh, told you that we were quote unquote funny? <laughs> That's right. But you know, since then I stopped listening to, ever since I started working on this podcast, I stopped listening to the Tableau podcast and the Conan O'Brien podcast. So I, I, All I'm, I'm worried ones. that my, my funny juices will, are, are, are juiced out. But anyways, <laughs> anyways, we will not, tr- we promise that we will not try to be funny. If it happens that way, that'd be cool. But it would be nice to balance it. <laughs> anyways, um, you know, speaking of, I, I just want to take just a moment to acknowledge the the circumstances that we're living in right now and these definitely very abnormal times. And I think also want to acknowledge that it's been difficult in many ways, right? I think uh, I've honestly lost track of how many weeks I've been working from home. Um, it's going to be, you know, the, the end is not in sight. But I think one thing that it was actually a, a recording of uh, an episode uh, interview that I did quite recently that, that hasn't been uh, released yet. But I just remember feeling um, before uh, when doing research for the conversation as well, but during the conversation itself, uh, when the, the person I was speaking with was just acknowledging you know, how important and timely and valuable uh, these conversations are, not just individually, but uh, as, a, as a whole, I think that that was one of those moments when uh, I realized that I think working on this podcast uh, with you and, and, and together and, w- and being able to speak to these people, uh, one, how much of a, 
honor and privilege it is, but two, mm-hmm. that I think it has given me, uh, for better or for worse, uh, Eugene always keeping me accountable, some a sense of direction and some sense of purpose. You know, we can't all be, I mean, I, I can't, you don't want me as a frontline worker um, mm-hmm. or in a hospital taking care of you. I know that's for sure. Um, but, you know, I, I think... I like to think of it as us making a, a very small and humble um, contribution of, at the very least, entertainment for, for other people. Hopefully it's entertainment. Um, you said you didn't yeah. have your juices anymore. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, how how is, uh, how is this quarantine life, lockdown life been, you, been for you, Eugene? I shared this meme recently. <laughs> if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen it. I know Paul doesn't have an Instagram. I don't know if I shared it with you, but it said something like, this is the most accurate meme that I had seen during, you know, the last couple of months where it said, quarantine is where you have three days or so of, you know, just normal activity. And then suddenly you have a dip into the quote unquote hell zone, which is this place where you feel anxious and a little bit agitated the entire time. And your hell zone will never intersect with somebody else's hell zone. So everyone is just kind of disjointed at all times. And that is a very good description of how I have felt during this time where there have been like lots of periods of pockets of normalcy and then it kind of just dips into the hell zone where I don't even know what day it is. I don't know like what's been happening for the past couple of days. And I think I would describe a lot of that as numbness, I would say. It is kind of, I think it's numbing in the sense that there's so much like mental work that happens yet I don't really, you know, physically I don't really go anywhere and I don't really do anything tangibly, even if it is something as simple as going to work or going to buy something instead of ordering it on Amazon, you know, like the physical act of doing it, that is obviously numbed now. So there is this kind of weird, like brain in a jar kind of feeling throughout all of this. But to go back to what you were saying in terms of the honor and privilege of having the opportunity to talk to these people through Skype, having the technology to do that in the first place also, that was the motivation behind two of the episodes so so far we have Jinjin's episode my friend and then Olamide who is somebody I didn't know but met you know through the podcast and both of those episodes I just did because I wanted to I mean I wanted to get out of this numbness a little bit but I also wanted to record some some kind of uh fragment of um this time so I mean I'll probably talk about those episodes more in depth a little bit later but yeah I think that's kind of how it's been (laughs) the hell zone and then also trying to keep track of you know this time well i think to uh help us jog our memory uh i think what might be helpful is if we uh maybe we can go back to uh maybe not the the pilot episode because i think we talked enough about ourselves there but uh the the first episode (laughs) with ken Liu, which i think was particularly significant episode for 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 both of us i think one you know as i'll mention later was because i got to go uh, to a book talk in dc and and meet ken Liu in person but but for you in particular because you know i I just remember your excitement uh when you know when you when you heard that you were going to do this interview with him and um so yeah you know do you have any takeaways looking back on that episode now i think in the beginning of the episode i said that i almost dropped my phone and i'm slightly freaking out because you know that's not something you should say to your the person you look up to hey i almost freaked out when you emailed me um but i think i was just kind of you know being a fanboy freaking out so that's what i blurted out to him and that is what i did in real life and then i sent you a screenshot of that email i was like oh my god this is happening because i had sent him an email about the paper menagerie which we talked about in the pilot 
I just sent him an email because I was like, you got to shoot your shot. You know, <laughs> um, actually, a lot of these interviews um, are from shooting our shot. Right. We just kind of send cold emails out. Emails. And, yeah. Our cold emails during the hell zone. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, it's also like a super, sauna. Oh, yeah. Go all the we'll bring everything full circle at the end of this interview somehow or episode, I guess. But yeah, I freaked out about that. And then I think part of it. I mean, I think that I said that at this point. I've basically peaked because nothing else really has to happen in this <laughs> as a joke, like nothing else has to happen in this uh, podcast series for it to, you know, really measure up to this. Because, I mean, I got his book in advance. I got to read the book and I get to talk to him about everything that is inside of his uh, mind. And you can probably attest to his uh, big brain attributes <laughs> um, to use, you know, common language uh, at the book talk. But before that, yeah, I think that a lot of it was that I had, as I mentioned in the episode, I had spent the last part of 2019 immersed in the three body problem, which he translated, which is not something that he wrote, but I felt, you know, through the translation I had gotten into his mind and knowing that he translated that three body problem series, which is a sci-fi series about the entire like universe history of the universe, intergalactic kind of thing, not in the Star Wars way, more in kind of a humanistic way like looking at how humans kind of deal with change and history and a lot of the things that are in this podcast, essentially, just from a sci-fi angle. Knowing that he had translated that, I knew that, you know, this guy has such a big, <laughs> such a big brain, <laughs> um, such a all-encompassing kind of mind that spans, you know, past, present, future, and also imagined future, especially because he is a technologist, I guess, and a lawyer, you know, he's on both sides of a lot of, you know, the driving forces of change in our world. So for me, a big, I guess, to bring it back to what were my big takeaways, I think the big takeaways were the importance of stories, which is why I named the episode, I think something like why stories are important. But I think that was a very good uh, framing piece for the rest of the podcast. I was very happy with that being the first episode, because we are not able to bring you to the front you know, lines of where these terrible situations of family separation or any of these events are actually happening. A lot of them are actually in the past, so I can't even do it even if I wanted to or had the resources. But we are bringing you stories and it's kind of why does that matter? What is the value of that? Why do we tell each other stories? How does somebody else's story affect my story? And how are we, you know, all related together in this kind of, uh, I want to say, to use a intellectual phrase like inner subjective realities i don't did you learn about that at all in college i'm afraid i wasn't as woke as you were <laughs> no no it's nothing to do with being woke and actually i i didn't actually learn this until i read sapiens uh by yuval noah harari uh, i was reading that like a couple weeks after the ken lu thing and sapiens i mean i'm sure everybody listening has heard of that book or seen the book somewhere and it's a lot about how a lot of the things that have allowed human society to progress is based on shared myths. Because at some point, you, you can't organize more than like, I don't know, I can't remember what he says, but like 50 people. You can't really organize more than that number unless you have a shared kind of mythos, like a shared mythology, right? So if I want to, I mean, you think to back to any presidential campaign, that's what they, that's their job, right? <laughs> like That's what they have to do to get you to vote and to create a movement. And it doesn't have to just be political, right? Like religious movements and whatnot. So inner subjective realities uh, relates to the idea of stories and why they're important because 
a lot of what we live under is this inner subjectivity. And that sounds really fancy, but it just means the way that I see the world is based on a narrative and that's subjective. And the way that you see the world is also based on a narrative that's subjective. But if they align, so I will, I live in this world of capitalism and I believe in the progress that comes with consumption of goods and whatnot. You also believe in capitalism. So that's an inner subjective reality where we both live in this thing, but it's not quote unquote real. And Ken and I talked a lot about real reality. Why does this matter um, if it's not real? And it turns out a lot of things that we believe in in society and how human society functions and how people find meaning in their lives is based on things that are not real, but nonetheless so important, right? So yeah, I think that is a very, very long talk about that episode and what I took away from it. And I I guess suffice to say I had thought about that episode a long time after, especially in reading these other things about society, human life in general, um, on a personal level. And then uh, I guess the only last thing that I would say about that is I'm very much interested recently and also thinking back as I was thinking about doing something for this recap, right? I was very interested in the idea of rupturing those stories and then how do those stories then change? Uh, what I mean by that is once you learn that your family has gone through family separation, for example, suddenly your narrative is no longer the same as it was before, right? So like what then changes? Why does this, how does this impact you? And what does that do with your, like, how does it realign your goals, I guess, as a person? So, I mean, you might be able to speak to that, right? Like when you discovered there, it's not as if when, when you were born, you knew that your family had personal experiences of family separation. So like, maybe you could speak to that a little bit. And then also um, go to the book talk. Tell us if Ken was handsome in real life. Um, <laughs> extra stuff like that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I think now I'm I'm glad I'm more at peace with having that episode as the first episode, which I think is very significant mm -hmm. because at first, you know, I remember telling you and, and thinking to myself too, is like, why I, I, I just didn't get it. Like, you know, why, why are we having this guy, this, this writer doesn't directly, you know, I think in my mind, I was thinking of, you know, having like a, uh, first-hand testimony mm. of family separation or a very specific story like a, a one very specific issue that somebody shared but I think looking back I, I do um, agree and I, I, I do see the the real value of framing the issue in a way of setting the scene for future stories down the line and I think from uh, the book talk which I think was super serendipitous again as you mentioned <laughs> I think you well part of it was a Oh, yeah. Well, part of it, just to jump in there, was that we had to actually put it first because the book was coming out around then. So the book that we talk about was being published around then. So that was also part of it. But it felt fitting, too, that, you know. And that was the book talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you want to continue about the book talk? Yeah, I mean, I think just two takeaways from the book talk was, one, he was very, I think Ken was very uh, conscious of and respectful of not just telling his own story and letting his own characters tell their stories, but being respectful of not just telling other people's stories, like allowing people mm. to tell their own stories. I think that's something that just I try to be mindful of in this project as, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to elevate and connect stories of family separation uh, and you know by no means do we do we feel that we have the authority or the the knowledge to uh, you know tell other people's stories for them and then and then the other thing the other reason why I thought it was so um, 
fitting and helpful was because he talked in depth. Uh, he didn't really talk about his book much, actually, at that book talk. He talked a lot about um, about the story of America and the story of this country and how, as you were saying before, that that gives us purpose, even though it's, you know, millions of people uh, throughout hundreds mm. of years. And in a way, I think that was really powerful because when people are telling their own stories, they often start with their own families because they've had such a big influence on them. And I think at the core that that's that's why I, I hope this this podcast and this idea, this project can appeal to such a wide range of people and how we are able to cast a very wide net with the kind of stories uh, we weave together. So it was it was in hindsight, uh, super, super uh, meaningful for me. Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, I was describing our podcast to one of my friends over chicken sandwiches, you know, the best meal to talk about anything over. But he was asking the kind of the same questions that you were kind of alluding to in terms of, okay, so like, but your first episode is with the writer, like, what does that have to do with anything, you know? Um, and I think, as we were talking, the main thing that I remember from that conversation was I described you as being the skeleton of the podcast and me being the I don't want to say meat but like flesh you know um what I mean by that analogy is more of it is about like this podcast is about divided families and uh family separation and I think that you definitely reel me back into like that concrete you know without it we, I would just be a blob so like um that's why I think that analogy kind of our metaphor works really well at the same time you know skeletons in themselves not very interesting <laughs> they're just they look the same you know so they're scary um yeah and they're also scary so uh i think that yeah i think that's kind of how i see us being positioned and i already talked about that a little bit in the pilot but that is a segue into the red cross episode which you talked about talking about uh, or blood you did. oh i guess oh yeah blood <laughs> skeletons it all makes sense um but that is a very very concrete you know episode in terms of family separate it literally is called like reconnecting families or something right so yeah i think for me you know mark is somebody i had worked with on the issue of uh korean american divided families for the past couple years um but i i wasn't familiar i was only familiar with uh with mark in that capacity so it was really inspiring to hear him talk about really I, my my scope and my vision have been pretty focused and narrow, both, you know, in my experience with Mark, but also um, just thinking about family separation and just hearing about the stories that he shared, I think particularly made me understand, you know, of course, it's, it's wonderful when families are reunited, but also about just the sheer what goes into, you know, how that sausage is made, uh, just the, the, the logistics. And I think, you know, what uh, one of the most powerful stories that he, sh he did share was the, the photo that the little girl had of her mother and, and the letter that uh, she had of her mother. And I think a lot of times what we have in our mind are, you know, families, um, we hear that families must be, and it feels like families must be reunited physically to achieve some kind of closure. But I think what what I've learned and what I've felt through that story, through other stories that we've heard in this, uh, in this project is that, you know, closure, this idea of closure that we try to explore can come through many different forms and not always just through physical reunion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that is the episode 
that I was editing while I did EJ Ko's episode. So those two kind of go together. And that's the reason that that came after. All of this is, you know, we had a plan and then the plan just kind of fell apart where we were just kind of putting episodes, you know, where they should, where we thought they should go. Um, so apologies if you were, you were recorded much earlier and then it just didn't come out yet. But um, that's that was kind of my <laughs> thinking in terms of connecting these themes of uh, letters, especially during this pandemic time, right? Right, so, right. That was the part that you just mentioned, the part about the letter was the most impactful to me as well. And then I was reading E.J. Ko's book, not yet having, you know, contacted her to interview yet. And I thought, oh, like if she can interview, this would be great. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I could go a little bit into E.J. Ko's episode. I think I went a little bit too much into Ken's, but I think the payoff is I don't have to explain as much for E.J. Ko because E.J. Ko's story about being separated from her family, not by like an external force but her family just her parents decided to go work in korea to raise money for her and her brother that was kind of i guess what i was talking about earlier about how families like how does knowing part of your history that you didn't know before how does this suddenly rupture or change your narrative like transform your narrative and then thereby transform you know the way that you go about your life that was a very very powerful theme in her book she talks about the jeju massacre about discovering you know her grandma's story her mother's story imagining herself as her grandmother and her mother and today you know she lives in seattle does research on these kinds of historical traumas and that's not something you know you would do if you didn't have that personal experience of changing your perception of your family narrative and your narrative so that was very closely tied to ken's uh, episode i think in terms of how i thought about it and there is the letter part but the last thing was yeah similarly i guess to what you were saying about the red cross episode is uh, reunification is not it's not just like magic you know <laughs> it's not just this uh thing that you slap on and then oh everything's better it's super awkward and i think that she gets at that very well in terms of language because you know she's a poet and writer she kind of describes that scene when she finally is together with her family and it's just super awkward i think that that was very very powerful so yeah did you have any extra thoughts on ej Coe's? yeah you know I, oh, you read the book too, yeah. I was so glad that, you know, you brought, it sounds, I, I was going to say you brought EJ Cohen to my life, but that sounds, <laughs> sounds weird. Yes, um, I did do that, kind of. <laughs> that sounds weird, but I ordered her book immediately afterwards and, you know, it, it, I, yeah, it was probably the fastest I've read through a book just because one, the writing is so amazing, easy to read, very personal. Uh, this is um, her memoir. But one, just it, it resonated with me so much on a personal level, being from a quote-unquote Korean geese family myself. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm just so glad now that I was able to connect with their story in that way. Mm -hmm. I guess moving forward, did you have any thoughts on Jinjin's episode? I'm just curious because before I just go off about it, I was wondering if you had any extraneous thoughts. I think what I would say about that episode is... Not just about the content, which I which I think is significant in itself, but you know, as you said, we had this rel uh, this vision, this plan for you know how the episodes were going to go season by season, and then nobody oh, yeah. expected this this yeah. pandemic to just completely change our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think in some ways it is I I think it's important for us to not just carry on and pretend like nothing um, has happened. And mm -hmm. I think it is significant that through that and through EJ Ko's episode, we were able to um, actually engage with the situation, you know, current 
circumstances head on with the letter campaign. And I, I think, you know, you ask later on in, in the recent, most recent episode with Alameda, you know, how would you like your, something along the lines of how would you like your future self to perceive you? Right. And I think if we hadn't done an episode or if we hadn't covered and discussed uh, the pandemic and, and its impact, I mean, I, I, I don't I, I think I think we would have regretted it. Right. And I think we can't yeah. because this is one of those moments in history. So I think, you know, that's what I'll have to add there. Yeah, I think for Jinjin's one, I, I just wanted to explain. I think you can get it from the episode as well. But for me, it was very much a. I mean, it, part of it was that desire to record, but also part of it, Jinjin's one, not Olamide's, Jinjin's one came at a time when I felt very, very guilty <laughs> about going about my life. And I mean, it wasn't as if I was like a denier, like I wasn't running around being like, this is dumb. I'm not going to, you know, pay attention to any of this. It was just more of like, oh, like how bad can it be? Um, I still like, I, I wasn't like straight you know no guardrails but i was still you know out and about even though i probably shouldn't have been out and about and i mean that episode was recorded pretty early so it wasn't as if i had kept this going for a long time like most people in the u.s kind of actually started to hunker down like around the time that i was hunkering down for sure but i think mm-hmm. i felt bad about that and you know i didn't get sick and that doesn't absolve me of anything you know like I was still like I should I shouldn't have been like that so that's why I was curious to talk to Jinjin who had been uh, as we talk about she had been you know panicking for a long time like she had been very much worried and very much taking precautions so yeah I really forced that episode too like I wanted to talk about it as well and um yeah I had to record it at like 2 a.m or something <laughs> um to match the time difference I was like okay like doesn't matter I just want to do that and yeah I guess the last part is um just a random plug for what we talk about in that, which is the Wuhan Diaries, which will be released. Uh, it's by a writer in Wuhan, obviously. Yeah, Fang uh, Fang, about, right? Yeah, about the pandemic. And then that's translated into English as coming out or has already come out, depending on when you listen to it, this episode. So yeah, I think, but for me, it was a lot along those lines. I mean, did you take the proper precautions? Like, you can't really blame yourself because, you know, we didn't really live through it. At the same time, it doesn't feel good anyway, so... Um, it doesn't make it right, you know, but I was wondering if you, did you react instantly or were you just kind of, uh, like me negligent? Oh, for coronavirus. Um, I mean, in some ways I had to, uh, just because there wasn't much, I mean, there wasn't anyone I could see and there, there wasn't anything to do. Like everything was closed. Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of just staying home, I think just because I, I, I like to be out and about and have was not OCD, ADHD, not actual ADHD, but you know, that kind of, I'm kind of restless and like to be out and about. It it did feel really, it was really, really difficult for me to just, you know, stay home as they say. Yeah. But, uh, you know, speaking of the, uh, well, uh, sorry, is there anything else um, on Jinjin that you would like to, uh, on that episode that you'd like to comment on? I think that was about it. I was very glad that I did that though. <laughs> but nothing, yeah. You know. and, and speaking about timing, I think one of the episodes we definitely would not have been able to do, uh, you know, during the pandemic quarantine, yeah, definitely would not have been able this to episode do. with Mary Murakami, which mm-hmm. I was able to do, uh, I think in, I want to say, uh, February. Yeah. Early like February. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I was able to visit her home in Maryland and considering that, you know, she is uh, very elderly and even uh, frail, 
you know, there, there's, there's no way that, that yeah. I, I would have done that. And I would have even thought about doing that, but yeah, I think it was just really powerful. Um, you know, when I was first thinking about this project and this podcast, I was like, oh yeah, you know, each episode can, can be a, uh, an oral history and a firsthand account. But as you mentioned, a lot of these stories of family separation are in the past and are literally mm-hmm. history. And I guess I underestimated the difficulty of finding people who are uh, not just willing, because I think a lot of people are, are willing and, and happy to help, but who are just alive and available uh, to, to share their stories and participate in this, in this kind of project. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, was, I was just really honored to be able to, to, to witness her story and to help uh, share and hopefully elevate that story. And I think I just left, I remember feeling so inspired when I left her home that day by, you know, I remember asking her in the interview, you know, that you're retired now. You asked uh, Dr. Olamide pretty much yeah. the same question. But, you know, after graduating, after retiring, I guess for Mary, she could just kind of take it easy now, right? She's been through so much in her life, raised a family, can, she can kind of settle down now. Yet she con- continues to stand up for what she believes is right and uh, not just for speak up on behalf of her own community and her own family, but also for others. And I, I think uh, this is something that we've, that, you know, both of us have talked about is this project is not just about supporting or elevating one particular issue, one particular community, but I think by, by connecting these stories, you know, finding ways to uh, raise up all of these communities and issues together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I, when I was editing Mary's episode, which the, one of the reasons that there is an unedited, you know, totally untouched one is because I wanted to keep some record of what actually, you know, you guys talked about untouched by me at all. But <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I remember when I was editing it, it just felt very much like I had been holding, I mean, not physically because these are not, you know, physical objects, but I was like holding like a relic and I was very, very, I had not felt nervous about editing anything uh, up till that point, I guess, because I was afraid, like, what if I don't do it correctly or um, how do I, you know, really keep this? Because, like, what if people want to listen to it down the line and um, I messed up somehow? So I remember, like, just that kind of reverence, which I didn't expect. And that reverence wasn't this, like, I remember, you know, it wasn't like, oh, here we go. It was more of I opened the file. I was like, okay, let's just get down to business. Let's do this. And I opened it and I listened to it. And then it was like that immediacy of the voice i guess uh, which is what's cool about podcasts but yeah it was just that immediacy and knowing that the person on the other side of this voice had actually been there and done you know had actually experienced these events so that was yeah really powerful for me and i remember i you know i texted you i was like we got to do more of these because they're so um not just cool but like in itself you know such a worthy task so i was very happy about that and i guess the only thing that i would add to that and I don't really have that much to say about Olamide's episode, Dr. Olamide. Sorry. I have to respect him now because he's graduated. <laughs> um, not that I knew him before he was graduated, but anyway. I think that episode, I didn't really have anything, you know, I didn't plan so much ahead of time. I didn't really have any agenda there. It was just more to record and to figure out what is life like in the hospital these days. And I guess between both Mary and Olamide, in reference to the question that you brought up, which was, 
why do you do this when you could be chilling after graduating from med school or chilling after living a very long and productive life, um, being retired, right? I think that for me, it was just, they are such normal people, you know? And that is like both scary and also powerful because it is scary because it means, you know, anybody could go through any of these situations. At the same time, at the same time I think it's powerful because it just means that we can also do what they're doing. Like, Olamide literally, I asked him why he's doing it, uh, working at the front lines of the pandemic. And he just said something like, I mean, I'm either going to be doing that or I'm going to be watching Netflix. Like, you know, it's not like a big moral call. Like, Seems like um, he's doing both pretty well. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he's doing both too. But, um, And then Mary also kind of answers very matter of factly. She's like, I mean, if I'm not going to do it, like who's going to do it? You know, it's just something I have to do. So I think that was very, very powerful. And I think also just to wrap up all of the episodes that we've been recapping is just the idea of once you hear somebody's voice and I mean it's that classic like trope uh, I'm not trope but cliche of you know Michelle Obama or anybody else who says you know it's hard to hate up close that kind of thing like once you humanize somebody it's very difficult to unhumanize so dehumanize whatever and I think just like I know that there are people on the on the hospital like at the hospital working on this pandemic and I know that there are people who live through the internment camps but now I actually know people you know I actually know who they are and I know what they sound like and I know that they are normal people and I think that we have a tendency to and I guess to tie this back to Ken's thing which is such a important episode for me I guess is that's why stories matter I think is when you I think that you can go both ways like you can whether you glorify or romanticize them or you do the opposite and you know dehumanize them either way you are removing them from you know the actuality of just being a regular person and i think that might be also why those stories also matter i guess and just kind of grounding ourselves i guess which is what we usually say yeah i think uh sorry if there's one thing i think there's one detail that i like to share about Hmm. uh my conversation with mary is this kind of behind the scenes look is when i remember she had to bring up two pillows i guess uh, or these kind of pads um to prop her up because of the the mic i remember at a certain point you know she uh because the mic wasn't wasn't high enough um i had to hold physically hold the mic for her uh while we were doing the interview and you know she had to stop for water and i think that was just uh that's just something that you don't have to face literally face on a in in a skype interview or in in a virtual interview and i think i think Another takeaway, just an overall takeaway from where I am right now and this outlook of, of how this project, working on this project with you has impacted me, is that I think it's really broadened my scope of, uh, of how I think about family separation. And I think, I think my friends probably think it's annoying at this point because at, I, I think I immediately connect, find a way to connect anything to divided family or family separation. Mm-hmm. And I think in terms of directions forward or, or, or uh, you know, what's next, I think it's really the, the possibilities and, and opportunities are endless and limitless because I think, you know, we could either go really big um, or, or really small to uh, things like divorce or um, foster care or, or mm. you know, uh, just... I wanted to do uh, something d- about domestic violence, but it's too yeah. soon. 
for that. <laughs> it's a very, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, you know, basically, I, I think this has really changed the way I look at my, my outlook on life and how I, how I view things in everyday life because I now see everything, maybe because just how much I think about uh, this podcast and this project, but now I see everything through the lens of family separation and divided families, for better or for worse. Yeah, I think that a big part of that is, I guess there's an advantage and disadvantage to zooming out very, very macroscopically, where, as you said, everything is tied to history and woven in this, um, I want to say woven in this tapestry of divided families, because... Kaleidoscope. <laughs> Wait, did I say did I say something about Kaleidoscope to you recently? I'm sure, yeah, yeah, I think you must oh, have. I don't know, I, I was writing this other essay, and then I used the word Kaleidoscope, and then I think I told you, I was like, this is a pretty cool word. <laughs> I don't know what we were talking about, but Kaleidoscope tapestry, whatever you want to call it. I, I guess the reason that I say tapestry of divided families is pretty interesting because I said that there's an advantage and disadvantage to this tapestry. And I guess the advantage is that you know that we are all you know interconnected. And I guess that's like a cheesy thing to say, but also it's very manifest in everything that we've covered so far in this podcast. And also um, it's just true in life in general, like, you know, history is built upon like colonization and uh, at this point in our world's history, you know, nothing is separated from anything else. Like at, at some point in our uh, civilization's history, it was literally like you might if you lived in Australia and you lived in, uh, I don't know, Asia or something, you might as well be living on like Mars and uh, Neptune or something. <laughs> like They're totally different places, but now they are all interwoven. And that's what I mean by this tapestry and that they're all mm -hmm. interconnected. And that means that, you know, we can relate to each other. That kind of uh difficulty that you've gone through in terms of family separation or in terms of, uh, I guess, abuse of governmental power or authorial power, right? That's something that, you know, pretty much every group has experienced. That is to say, I know that some people listening to what I'm saying right now probably are bringing up the same uh, disadvantage which I uh, wanted to get to, which is that is not to say that we should minimize any of these experiences, uh, experiences by saying, hey, you know, it's just like all the other, it's all lives oh, matter. No, yeah. yeah, we're not going to do that. But I guess those are the two sides that I see. And I guess that's just to go off of your point of uh, everything ties to this podcast is true. At the same time, we have to be careful about saying, oh, like, I also went through family separation. You know, it's like mm -hmm. um, you never want to do that in the all lives matter sense of discounting somebody else's experience. So I think that is a very fine line to tread. But, you know, that's where we are treading. Yeah, I guess I really didn't realize how... <laughs> monumental of a task this project was in scale and yeah for sure. I, think, <laughs> I think now i'm just really acutely aware as we head into i guess can we call it season two or phase two phase like two oh, <laughs> yeah well, you know you know this uh, as you know we finish this recap and and move forward i think i'm really conscious now of balancing uh, balancing, you know, firsthand accounts versus storytellers and activists and, and, and people who uh, work on the issue and on behalf of a community or balancing, you know, different regions and different generations and different topics. Um, but mm. uh, b because I think that that's what we're trying to do, right? You know, not just focus on one particular issue um, or, or prevent, present things as a monolithic perspective, but really trying to capture this tapestry, this kaleidoscope of, of yeah, stories. Yeah, tapestry, I feel like people say that a lot, but we can go with kaleidoscope because it's more unique. <laughs> I don't know. But um, to do also, this, I think we will definitely... Yeah, kaleidoscope. Oh. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, sorry. 
No, no, I was just saying, I think in order to do this, uh, I've realized it's it's really hard to do this. Um, I'm sure you do just between uh, two dudes, two, two, two normal guys. Um, so we will definitely need all the help we can get. Yeah, no, thankfully to go off of that, and you reminded me is that we are not just two dudes anymore. Thankfully, we have some uh, volunteer help and, you know, people who are helping us as part of the Lee clan squad. No, I'm just kidding. The <laughs> Divided Families podcast squad, generic name. Um, yeah. And if you are listening and interested in helping out, we would definitely love that. But yeah, no, we are not. Now we are not just two dudes, which is great. <laughs> uh, Nor are we just two Korean American dudes. Oh, yeah. And I, actually, I wanted to call these recap episodes the Lee clan diaries, but I don't guess we can't call it that anymore. <laughs> but I wanted to just record that so it would be there forever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we, we really tried to brainstorm names for this. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what it'll be when we actually post it. I mean, it could be Lily Clan Diaries. Probably not, though. Um, it might just be Recap 1 or something. But, yeah. Um, and I guess I did have more, a little bit more to say, but I actually think I'm going to just keep that for Recap 2. So, oh, yeah, that's suspense building. Stay tuned. Mostly because those episodes aren't out yet, so I can't even refer to them. Um, stay tuned but, and stay safe. Yeah. And I guess stay we, don't sane. Have a cool, we don't have a cool ending like we did last time about the immaculate conception. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought Can't. that skeleton uh, meat flesh analogy was great, and the tapestry kaleidoscope. So I, I think we got some good, good, good things in. much for tuning in to another episode of the divided families podcast if you're interested in listening to more stories of family separation or learning more about our project please follow us on social media at divided families podcast thanks as always to flannel albert for the wonderful music and see you next time